hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark... Happy Vernal Equinox, Succotashians. I'm your every other weekly host, Mark Hershon. And thanks for plucking episode 348 out of the Soundcastosphere, an episode that I'm calling a spring bouquet of clips because, well, this show is dropping very close to the first day of spring. And speaking of spring, something that's springing up very soon is the 12th anniversary of this very show, Succotash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast. That's right. Your co-host and mine, Tyson Saner, will be joining me for a celebratory episode. That's right, both co-hosts together, where we'll look back on the show's dozen years. We'll have some clips from shows, classic Henderson's pants spots, some congratulatory messages, and more. It's still not too late if you want to record a quick message with your thoughts and feelings on our 12th anniversary. We'd love to play it on the big celebration show. You can call it in to our Succotash show and runaway truck ramp hotline at 818-921-7212. Or record your message and upload the WAVE or MP3 file directly to us at Hightail.com slash U slash Succotash. The aforementioned Tyson Saner was here just last week, hosting episode 347 entitled Hollywood Adjacent. And he featured clips from such soundcastery as How Did This Get Made, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, and The Nooner Podcast. I'm not sure where you get your servings of Succotash from, but know that you can always get it fresh from a bazillion soundcast distribution points on the web, and as always, right here at our home site at SuccotashShow.com. My spring bouquet of clips for you in this episode includes FOGO, that's F-O-G-O, stands for Fear of Going Outside, Tell Me About It, and The Best Show. In addition, I have another drop-in from comedian Dan St. Paul with a selection from his Slices blog, this one called The Tie That Binds, and that's T-H-A-I, more about that a little later. At some point during the proceedings, we will be rudely interrupted by our booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, and an unimportant message from our freeloading, freewheeling sponsor, Henderson's Pants, and their new random pants for a truly captive-aiding fit. All right, let's get started, shall we, please? Exclusive. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't depend on my own wits and taste when it comes to trying to find out everything available in the expanding sound castiverse. I read reviews. I skim those 20 best comedy soundcasts this year lists, although they never use the word soundcast. And I get email from PR people. One PR regular is Catherine Muzelik from Shark Party Media. And she's been telling me for a while now to check out Fogo, the fear of going outside soundcast. So I finally did. And you know what? It's terrific. Hosted by Ivy Lee, quote, the most reluctant host ever, unquote, according to the press release. It goes on to say most nature shows are hosted by reckless white men, but avid indoors woman Ivy Lee is an Asian mom with severe allergies. 
So I listened to the first couple of episodes in the first season. It was intriguing to hear the exploits of Ivy as she really wants to try to embrace the great outdoors. In the second season, she's really pretty much looking at her comfort zone now in the rear view mirror. And in episode five of the new season, with the help of Jesse Griffiths, a somewhat renowned chef slash hunter, Ivy sets out to butcher an entire hog. Here's some of the fun. I'm meeting Jesse at his restaurant on a day that they're closed. A couple other chefs are preparing things for the week. This is not fast food. There are shelves of giant mason jars, pickling and fermenting and infusing things for future brunch patrons. We go back to the cold room where my hog is hanging. Jesse actually hasn't seen the pig yet either. So when he does, he slaps it in a gesture that I interpret to mean, good pig, this ass is satisfactory. Oh, well, that happened. He's talking about some blood that's splat on the ground when he took the plastic body bag off. No biggie. The hog is hanging on a hook by the space between its hind leg bones. Oh, it looks great. That's a it's probably four thing. feet and change long from snout to toe. The hooks are on rails up in the ceiling, so we push her through the whole restaurant to get to the giant butcher block in the middle of their open kitchen. And finally, Jesse lifts her up off the hook and this pig flops to the butcher block counter. When all her organs were still on her, I estimate she was between 200, 250 pounds. I'm eyeballing it based on how she looks compared to me. Shorter, but wider and denser than I am. I mean, I think one of the things that hunters, first time hunters have to get over in the field is when they go and they touch it and everything, it's warm. Mm -hmm. You've never touched meat that was like raw meat that was warm, you know, it's body temperature. It's got a really bristly, tough hide on it and it's full of um, all kinds of guts. Uh, and you got to get all that out. And when you kill the animal, you're about halfway done. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people look at it as like, I'm done. No, you're not. You're, no. you're, this could go on for another couple of weeks of packaging and making sausage and getting everything cleaned and put away and, and stacked in the freezer and things like that. So we, back to uh, the gutting, I think. So we're, we're, after we've skinned the animal, we've got, it looks like this, except this whole cavity is going to be full of, uh, you know, you've got your intestines, your stomach, all your other viscera in there, and then your heart and lungs, your trachea, things like that. And everything has to come out. And so I start at the back, um, the very farthest point. Without the butthole. To the butthole. The butthole, yeah, you okay. You core the butthole. Like an apple? Exactly, that is that is the exact So I need metaphor. to get a butthole core? Is that it? Where you, do I get one of those? You Will you Sonoma? you just invented that, but <laughs> it's called a butt out. Butt out. Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, and it butt is. Out. It is the most medieval, awful looking things. I don't use them personally. I just do it old fashioned with a knife. I mean, in my opinion, the knife is the best way to go okay. for coring the anus. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> this pig has already been skinned and gutted due to laws about what you're allowed to bring into restaurants. You can't shoot a hog outside and just bring all that outside stank inside and serve it to customers because regulators agree that the outdoors is nasty there's parasites and shit out there, like literal parasites and literal shit. Since some of the field work has already been done on this hog, no matter how long it ends up taking me to butcher it, in real life, when I really go on my real hunt, it will take even longer. After the hours and hours of hunting, once you kill an animal, there's still hours left of field work to do. For foodies, this is when the fun really starts. Mmm, you can almost taste the pork. 
If you know a lot about the outdoors, you can laugh at what a dork Ivy Lee is. If you fear the outdoors but want to know more, the woman just might be your god, or at least your Sherpa. Check out Fogo, The Fear of Going Outside, wherever you get your soundcasts. Soundcast listeners have run across Adal Rafai, the host of this next new show called Tell Me About It, a couple of times. First, way back in 2015, when we clipped Hello from the Magic Tavern in episode 113, where he plays Chunt, the Changeling, and again at the end of 2022, just a couple of months ago, in episode 334, when we snipped Hey Riddle Riddle, in which Adal is the co-host. His new show, Tell Me About It, is couched as a game show, with Adal playing himself as an eccentric billionaire who challenges his guests to talk about, argue about, and eventually defend a topic or thing they love dearly to try to climb the most interesting thing scoreboard against previous and future guests. I don't know why they try so hard, but they certainly do. The questions are absurd-ish, the scoring even more so. None of it made any easier because of Eric, a doll's butler, who tries to keep things running smoothly. In our clip, the guest is friend of Succotash and one of the creators of the San Francisco sketch fest, Janet Varney, who you also may know from Avatar, The Legend of Korra, and her own soundcast, The JV Club. She's on board to shove her interest in miniatures up that scoreboard, but first, she has to help host a doll understand what miniatures even are. Janet Varney, what subject have you brought for us today? I am here to tell you all about, and I mean all about, miniatures. Oh. Mm-hmm. Can you please be more specific? Miniature what? Okay, well... <laughs> Gulfs. Horses. Not ponies. Not horses. Not stags. Not fawns. Not... I'm, I don't, those are... I've ran out of... Immediately ran out of horse horse names. Uh, horse types. Uh, well, listen, I love dollhouse miniatures. Um, I don't own a dollhouse, but Ooh, I own Ibsen. some miniatures. Yes. Mini Ibby. I own a tiny <laughs> miniature Ibsen. Henrik Ibsen. <laughs> And do you have Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> Let him out, everybody. Woo! No, shh, 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 shh. Go, Ibsen. Loud, loud smiles. Loud smiles. Uh, smiles. Loud smiles. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, this was prompted by my recent trip to Chicago. I got a chance to revisit the Thorn Rooms, and it definitely, I don't want to say it rekindled my love of miniatures, and I do realize I added the extra snooty syllable the fire mm. was lit. Uh, you just threw some more logs. I definitely threw yes. some logs on the fire. Definitely. It's blazing hot in my love of miniatures right now. You didn't start it. But it was always turning before always the miniature burning. world was burning. And Janet, would you say Einstein, James Dean, Brooklyn's got a winning team? I'd say I can't believe it took five minutes for you to get that song referenced wedged into a podcast you're doing. Usually it's much less time. I don't know what you're talking. Uh, Davy Crockett, Peter Pan, Elvis Presley, Disneyland. Uh, J Janet, I will say, just in case you do not pass this quiz, I have mm -hmm. procured one of the only, there's only two in the world and I own one of them, shrink rays. Now- <gasps> If you lose, we will be shrinking you down and placing you inside the Thorn Museum, which Sounds might be like a that's an absolute treat win. for you. Have no problem with that. To show you that this is safe, I will use it on myself first. Okay. Let me just shoot myself with this shrink ray. And Janet, you were a child once. Tell me about that. Oh, shrink ray. Shh, no, boo me with your eyes. Clapping. Boo me with your eyes. It's slow. That's how you know it's sarcastic. 
Uh, again, loud cries, everyone. Loud cries. No sound, just loud crying, please. Okay, so I'll break this shrink ray in half. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'll have to unpack that later with myself. Uh, Mr. Rafai, your mother broke a shrink ray once as yes, well. Yes, yes. And I will say there's no U-Haul for unpacking emotions. Oh, oh. And there's no height requirement for emotional roller coaster. I've tried to... We won't get there. We won't get there. <laughs> I think that this will be a wonderful time to go to round one. This is round one. Janet, we just need you to tell us about it, with it being your miniatures, uh, your miniature subject. Okay. I have 10 foundational points about miniatures here. Mm -hmm. uh, please, hey, just tell us, uh, tell us about it. We'd love to have a conversation just about your topic for five minutes. Uh -huh. And um, I have, I can, I'm going to keep score, but don't worry about it. Just uh, tell us about your subject. Okay. Um... Uh, little tiny miniatures. How do I love thee? Uh, oh, you prepared a poem. <laughs> prepared, yes. You bet I did. Uh, okay, look. Uh, many of us, I, I don't want to get gender specific because I feel everyone is entitled to, to have a love of miniatures. I feel like if you wanted to expand the topic all the way out to like, you know, you could argue that G.I. Joes are miniature people. Uh, you could certainly ar argue that um, the Adat from uh, the Star Wars toys is one of the coolest miniatures of all time. Um, that being said, leaning a little harder into the dollhouse category, uh, I did get one as a kid. I really wanted one. There was a little shop near my house in Tucson, Arizona that I could walk to. It was like on the way to the video store that my dad and I would walk into sometimes and I would save up my allowance to get some little something. And I didn't have anywhere to put anything, but the best one was a little gumball machine. It was great. Oh. Like little red enameled iron stand. This is all uh, one inch scale. So that's a standard uh, dollhouse size is an inch for every foot. So uh, it, that is that is very important to make sure the scale. And sometimes when you see uh, more crudely created miniatures or you know just something that's a little bit more roughly hewn, it may not adhere to that. And I would say the sign, the mark of a great miniature is if it really has that that perfect uh, relationship to a one to twelve situation. Wow, I just got to say, sorry, a perfect relationship yeah. one to twelve, something I wish I had with my dad. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, keep going. You have got to get that shrink ray out of here. I think it's just on and just penetrating you. That's maybe a bad choice of words. I got hooked on this show pretty quickly by how engaging and absurd by equal measures the entire proceeding is. So maybe check out Tell Me About It Yourself through an ever-widening array of Soundcast listening posts. You ever get kidnapped by some ne'er-do-well and want to just get out of the situation without involving a lot of other people? Me too. Check out these bitchin' trousers from Henderson's Pants. Bill? Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here with some timely fashion news. If you or someone you know is in imminent danger of being kidnapped, shanghaied, or abducted by aliens, Henderson's new ransom pants are just the right style statement you need to make to get yourself out of a sticky situation. Our research reveals that the number one complaint of abductees is not that they miss their loved ones and friends, but that it's always so darned uncomfortable. Well, not anymore. If and when you're taken, you'll appreciate the loose fit and padded seat of these handsome ransom pants. 
They'll bring you great comfort, no matter if you're trussed up in the back of a van, the trunk of a car, or the cargo hold of a hyperdimensional spacecraft. And there's more comfort waiting inside these pants. The roomy legs are lined with secret pockets. You can fill with energy bars and puzzle books to fill the idle time waiting to be rescued. And rescue won't be far away, thanks to the homing tracker built into the ransom pants waistband. Then, just in case no one cares enough about you to be following the tracker's signal and you're left to get yourself out of the mess you found yourself in, pay your own way. That's right, the ultimate secret of Henderson's Ransom Pants is that that comfortable seat you've been sitting on is padded with one million dollars in warm, comfy cash. Just drop trow, pay your kidnappers, and be on your way. Originally designed for Patty Hearst, enemies of La Cosa Nostra, as well as Barney and Betty Hill, Henderson's Ransom Pants, maybe just the ticket to get you an early release and back home in time for dinner. That's Henderson's, makers of fine pants parts since 1932. And now back to Suckatash. I'm not sure how, in 12 years of doing this show, we have missed clipping the best show with Tom Sharpling. It's not obscure by any means. It was originally a terrestrial radio show. Plus, I've heard of it for years and have heard Tom Sharpling on other soundcasts. He's big friends with Mark Marin too. I guess what finally grabbed me was that he managed to get an interview with Matt Barry, who I'm a big fan of. And you probably are too. He's a British comic and actor, and he's a regular on the TV series version of What We Do in the Shadows. Nuff said. In this snippet of their convo, Matt talks about having to decide between pursuing music or comedy. Or did he? What came first for you, the love of the comedy or the love of the music? Because the music, for for people who don't know, Matt is an incredibly talented musician. Well, He's top forty albums. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's really easy for me to answer that. I mean, like I, like most artists, sort of young kind of forming artists. The biggest fear when you're young is getting a normal job and not being able to sort of make art yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. So that was all I cared about, like, you know, that I would end up not working hard enough at the art and end up doing something, you know, which I kind of hated. So it didn't matter to me which, you know, whatever would kind of take off first mm-hmm. as long as I was, you know, as long as I was working in the arts. Yeah. Now, I went to art school, so it could have been painting. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, because you're an excellent, excellent painter also. Well, we might as well. I was what, all right. We might as well back list what then. you can't do. At this I'm rusty. Point. I can't. Right. I can't drive. Um, okay. There's a lot of things I can't, can't drive. <laughs> but it's a very look. Can't drive. I can't build. Can't things. not finish a bottle of water. No, it's a very short list. Yeah. Of the things. You, so so you were just looking to do something. Yeah, I just wanted just wanted to kind of remain in the arts that Mm -hmm. was the main objective yeah it still is yeah because that is one of the things you will when you're working on a show you'll have a whole setup and you're working on music while you're while you're working on like what we do in the shadows i know you're yeah you're doing your music when you're not on set yeah and it's just so so what what for that show mm -hmm. sometimes music for that show yeah 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 so you 
So, but the but the 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 performing in terms of the comedy started yeah. to pop first. Yeah, I mean, like the the kind of the most sort of like the most kind of like magazine answer for you, which I've like trotted out for years, is I dream about music. I've never dreamt about comedy. Sure. So that tells you yeah. it all. That's then. That's kind of how I've. Uh, you always like we don't talk about comedy generally briefly well, we have we will but yeah, it's like yeah but music is where we would have these discussions that yeah. would just keep going and i mean we talk about we talk about sort of performance i mean that's what we're yeah. interested in mm-hmm. and that could be that could be both art forms you yes. know if there's a performer that we like or that's mm-hmm. caught our eye or we're mm-hmm. interested in then we'll yeah. talk about that and that could be some old gray whistle test thing from 50 years ago yeah or someone we saw last mm-hmm. week yeah now, who was that guy who hosted Old Grey Whistle Test? That guy who whispering Bob Harris. He seemed like he was just mad yeah, at yeah. any youth stuff. Yeah, he hated. Yeah, he hated Roxy. Yeah, yeah, because he was the guy. You did a little, didn't you? Do like on Snuffbox, like yeah. a, kind of a version of yeah. But he was like the the he original. He talk like this, and he'd be very kind of. It was his thing. It was his. It was his sort of gimmick. Mm-hmm. And next, we've got the. Uh, a band, you know, that's how he'd introduce everything. Uh-huh. And he just seemed like irked at anything Well, he only loud. liked people that wore denim, I think. You mm-hmm. know, it was that sort of thing. He didn't like anything that was out of the, you know, like sort of different. And he would say so. Like, you'd never be able to do that now. You know, there was a live music show with different styles of music. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck what the presenter thinks, you know, about... Yeah, yeah. No. The choice of things. Only the... if he's nice about it. Yeah. But, you know, but this guy would be like, um, uh, some people will like that, I suppose. And, you know, and then he'd like talk about the next. <laughs> so he's just taking shots at everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Roxy Music was something he didn't. He didn't like Roxy Music. And there was a couple of other things I can't remember now that he just didn't like. That's a bit of the best show with Tom Sharpling. And you know what? You probably know it better than I do. But if you don't, you can find that show all over the web. I played one of these essays in my recent Epi 346 from friend and comedian Dan St. Paul and his blog over on Substack titled Slices, as in Slices of Life. He's back with a tale of his first foray going after a Thai massage. See, I told you the tie that binds the, that it would come back around there. There it is coming, coming around. There, there it goes. Check it out. A new Thai massage studio opened at a nearby strip mall. Now, I've never had the experience of a traditional Thai massage. I did no research, and I should have, because this is exactly what happened. Listen if you dare. I enter the narrow sliver of space between a Japanese restaurant and a Chinese restaurant. The music and aroma immediately transport me to a peaceful Asian respite, perhaps like one found at a caravanserai for weary travelers. I am met by Anna, a sweet, short, slight, middle-aged woman of Asian descent, obviously, who motions me to remove my sandals and slip into a pair of straw tie slippers. She leads me through a beaded doorway we enter the first of eight curtained booths that line the walls of what used to be a hair salon. 
I am instructed to remove my clothes and put on a very loose pair of black unisex trousers. I look for the drawstring, and there isn't one. These pants could easily fit three of me. A slip of the hand would leave me exposed, so I decide to lay down, face up, on the decorative futon. Anna returns and orders me to turn over onto my stomach and place my face into the cushy donut. She applies a warm perfume towel on my back and then slowly replaces it with her feet. My head is planted in the face rest so I cannot see, but I'm pretty sure that she is standing on me. Her weight and the area of her footprint signal to me that I have become a human surfboard. I marvel at her flawless equilibrium. She doesn't wobble. I thought, is she that good or am I that flat? She travels the terrain of my back, employing her big toes. She forcefully circles my trapezii. I elicit a gleeful groan. She has such perfect balance. I fantasize her eating a giant meatball sub and checking her cell phone for messages while she tiptoes my spine. After her dismount, I feel her kneel alongside of me. She places an elbow square between my spine and my scapula. Now, I read that Thai massage includes gentle pressure and yoga stretching techniques. Apparently, gentle is the Thai word for punishingly cruel. Anna looks to be 5'1", tops, maybe 100 pounds. You would not guess that her elbows could liberate a man's shoulder from his back. She finds a knot and begins to tirelessly dig like a starving prospector who just struck the mother load. I wail. Ah. I whimper. <gasps> I whine. Ah. She whispers, too much? No, um, I bravely reply. I keep repeating my mantra, no pain, no gain, no pain, no gain. But at this point, all I was gaining was pain. I remember the menu at the front desk includes a deep tissue massage. Are you kidding? How much deeper can she get? Anything deeper than this must require you to leave her all of your body parts, except your head, in the morning, then pick them up in the afternoon because you do not want your nerve endings transmitting this information to your brain. This is not good news. After that massacre, she concentrates on my hands and legs with various stretches. At one point, she sits behind me, takes my hands, and pulls back my arms while her feet push on the center of my back. It doesn't faze me in the least. A fleet of smart cars had just run over me. This was child's play. A few light karate chops to my shoulders, and she's done. I sit, dazed and unable to speak. Was this a life-changing experience that will release hidden toxins and bring a whole new spring to my step? Or was I just going to be really sore tomorrow? The early results are good. I swam today and I felt loose. I felt I could have easily surpassed the usual 40 minutes. However, my back is still sore. After all, she had gone where no man had gone before. 
I wondered if she showed off at parties by cracking walnuts with her elbows. I shall return, but next time I will opt for the combo Thai slash Swedish. I enjoyed Anna's stroll on my back. I feel it loosened me up back there. However, I will plead she go light with the elbows. I'm sure they're better used for something else, like, oh, I don't know, smashing diamonds to smithereens. So that's Dan, Dan St. Paul, and you can check out more of his Slices essays in written form. He's also now also putting the audios up, so I'm playing them just as a public service announcement. But you can find it over at Dan St. Paul. That's all run together. D-A-N-S-T-P-A-U-L dot substack dot com. Also, of course, you can find all these links to the shows and the guests on the shows over at SuccotashShow.com in the blog entry for this very episode. Uh, I'll get also feature more of those essays as they come in from Dan here on Succotash. So there you go. Clips three, an essay one, and a pants commercial non-paying. Who can ask for more? As I'm already a day late dropping this episode, I'm, I've really not got time to dip into the tweet sack and I didn't see a whole lot in there, but those social handles keep piling up. So I'll do them again in a couple weeks. In the meantime, if you're hurting for more succotash, Tyson Saner will be back around this corner in less than a week with episode 349. So just be hanging here with your thumb out and jump on board when he comes by. And then there'll be just one or two more shows before our big 12th anniversary show. And then there'll be a hiatus, probably. That's what we're talking about. We're going to kind of turn the lights down low and uh, try and cook up something, maybe something a little new here in the succotash patch studios and come back with a whole new kind of thing for you so stay tuned for that i'd give you more details but we haven't worked it out yet thanks so much for listening and speaking of listening if anyone asks you if you've heard anything good lately won't you please pass the succotash you've been listening to succotash the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SuccotashShow. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Succotash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash goodbye.
This has been a Succotash Patch production.